are you watching? Nee, 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 nee. An Italian guy who says no, 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 no when he puts when he puts. Is it? And then here he is. Apparently you say na 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 when you're putting uh, parmesan. He looks uh, he looks happy. Like I could get along with him. And he looks like he loves pasta, which means I could get along with him. Hey, flush the toilet. Too busy to flush. Hey everybody, welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JL. And I'm Molly. And if this is your first time joining us, thanks for being here. This is um, Molly and I's effort to invite you around our digital table and take part in community in our lives as we raise four kids, ages 13, whoo, down to... We haven't to... had a pot. We haven't recorded something since we had a teenager, have we? Huh. So Maybe anyway, not, yeah. 13. 13 down to five. <clears throat> we homeschool. We live in Montana. And uh, we also operate in a world where people are weird and hard. And you're probably wondering why in the world would I want to listen to you guys? Well, good news. I have no idea. <laughs> so if you do listen to us, thanks. Really appreciate it. Um, we enjoy making the show. And um, today is a little bit different, this episode, because we're recording from our library downstairs in the family room. I brought out my front of house rack and hooked up my laptop and my microphone. Because JR has been attempting to make us live on a high, a Rocky Mountain high, all week by refinishing his studio and the stain. He's got got things stained, but the stain has fumigated us for the last few days. Yeah, it's it's significantly decreasing though, so that's good. Yeah, but going with the whole uh, oak paneling. Victorian sort of thing and it's coming out quite nicely I think but it's um, not in any condition to be sitting and recording in not just because not, of the smell but because it's under construction it's a, yeah it's a mess right now it's close I'm really close to being done I've got like four I don't know I've got to figure out how to finish three things and then um, I think I'll be good to go I can move in so anyway um, that's cool yeah I'm going to um, take a wide <clears throat> angle selfie can you lean in Harder. I don't have go-go gadget arms like you. So I'll post this on our Telegram and our Instagram so people can see where we're where we're recording from <clears throat> yep. right now. And if you guys are um, wondering about the Telegram thing, Molly and I have a we started a private Telegram group on uh, Telegram. Well, a chat group <laughs> um, a while ago, and we've got a pretty really great super cool active community there um that interact with the show obviously stuff we talk about on the show but also with each other and other stuff and lately it's been like what are you guys working on right now and so we're seeing like various leather making wood crafting construction projects going on um around the world or mostly the united states at this point so and also cool. a lot of commentary on the warm weather oh it man. was 61 in billings today so we i took jr's mom took the two middle girls out Christmas shopping and to lunch. And so I took Faith on a couple of errands and promised that I would take her to lunch and came home and got Titus, our 13-year-old, and took him to lunch. And then he was going to spend a gift card that he had gotten from Shields from his uncle, aunt and uncle. But uh, we got to Shields and Titus was like, it's a digital gift card. Can you get it for me? And I was like, no, because it was sent to your email address, which we only access from our family computer. <laughs> so anyway, we walked around Shields. I mean, he can a, get it on his watch and his phone if he knew how. He he didn't have no. either of those with him. His watch died while he was waiting for me. But uh, so we Chipotle, the the outdoor store that he he wanted to shop at was at uh, was in the in the same parking area as Chipotle. So I don't think either of the kids had ever eaten at Chipotle before. Oh, that's so, funny. so we went there and it was, oh my goodness, you guys, I have not been on top of most of life and it is December 22nd and I was out shopping with 
half of Wyoming and a lot of Montana and people who don't know how to do roundabouts. And it was absolutely bonkers there. Uh, everywhere, everywhere in town that I went was bonkers, uh, including Chipotle. And we ate on the patio and it was perfectly comfortable eating lunch. In fact, it was a little bit warm because I was wearing a down vest and a wool hat and I was a little bit toasty. Yeah, we went up, uh, we took this kid skiing yesterday and uh, I was kind of contemplating like we should be out. I'm, I'm treating... We, we winterized everything and got everything put away for the winter because normally this particular point in time, we've had cold weather and snow and moisture. We've had none of it. I'm we've like, I should had be a out. couple of bouts of cold. I should be out like mountain biking every day. It's so <laughs> you know, nice It's just out. crazy it's right so now. so nice. Yeah. So we basically spring skied. We were skiing in slush and there were people there skiing in t-shirts, but it was a delightful first day of skiing. Uh, it was fun. So. Anyway, um, anyway, uh, yeah, we had a 13-year-old, a kid turned 13 now, so now we're parents of a teenager. Yep, but we're also still parents of a five-year-old. We're really old. Yeah. How we how do we pull that off? Well, um, I mean, I know how that happened, okay. but yeah, yeah, we're gonna make Titus. Titus was considering sitting in here. He's farting around on his switch, and he was considering sitting in here while we were recording. But we would have driven him off with that comment probably yeah he'd been like i'm out of here guys yeah so last saturday i think it was last saturday yes last saturday i took our our girls with a friend and her girls to a symphony rehearsal uh i i've known this exists and i've been meaning to do it but a friend of ours posted that the symphony dress rehearsal for a christmas show they were doing was $10 for the dress rehearsal and trying to introduce more culture to our kids because I am not a particularly cultured person. I was like, you know, I'm going to jump on this because symphony plus Christmas music. And it also included two Broadway singers slash dancers and a jazz group. And so I thought it would be fun and exciting to take them to. It turned out to be $20 for an adult and $10 for kids. So it still was not cheap because there were a lot of us. But um, it was really delightful. Uh, the singer, the singers were a husband and wife duo, except the husband was undergoing treatment for tongue cancer. And they, they met on the on an off-Broadway production of White Christmas and now are married and have a five-year-old son and so when they sang White Christmas they were like that's really this is a really special song to us and told the story and they did some tap and other Broadway sort of dancing and then there were a couple of songs where the guy needed to give his voice a break and they brought in another singer but uh the the only thing I did not love about this show, which I have been withholding from talking to you about because I thought it would make for interesting conversation on here, is they they would kind of add a little commentary before the songs that they were singing. And they started out with some classical, classic kind of Christian ones, uh, but old, pure instrumental. So... Uh, like the first Noel or Enjoy to the World were sort of that, uh, uh, what is it called? A medley that in, a, in an opening medley. And then it was uh, Broadway and music, like White Christmas sort of things. Um, but the maybe the third to last song, the gal was like, you know, us with him undergoing cancer. It's a hard season for us and X, Y, and Z. So... I hope that this uh, next song will bring you some hope. And then they sang, uh, have yourself a merry little Christmas. And I probably would not have thought this if she hadn't framed it in the way that she did. But the, the, the words that are supposed to give hope about Christmas are have yourself a merry little Christmas, let your heart be bright. And then she did not sing, I always hear the words, from now on our troubles will be out of sight. But she sang, at uh, this time next year, our troubles will be out of sight. And 
I, I'm actually going to look up the lyrics really quickly because there were a couple of other lyrics that struck me as honestly really vapid. You know, at, at the, whether it's from now on our troubles will be out of sight or at this time next year our troubles will be out, will be out of sight. Really? Does anyone actually believe that? <laughs> <laughs> well, your current set of troubles will be out of sight, maybe, maybe. But not the new ones. Maybe. So, according to according to Google, this is it that was written by Frank Sinatra, and he says, "Next year, all our troubles will be out of sight." And then the next verse is, "Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the Yuletide gay. Next year, all our troubles will be miles away." And once again, as in olden days, happy golden days of yore, faithful friends who are dear to us will be near to us once more. Uh, and then someday soon we'll all, we will all be together. If the fates allow until then we'll have to muddle through somehow. So have yourself a merry little Christmas now. It was the, we'll have to muddle through somehow that also struck me besides, okay. That's super hopeful. I mean it. Honestly, the more well, you think about it, the more depressing it is. The weird thing is I just Google, I looked it up too, and my first hit was Clay Aiken lyrics for Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Um, from now on, That's a little troubles... different meaning to make the Yuletide gay, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's true, though. Language, yes. language yes. has changed since Sinatra wrote that. That's... <laughs> That's a JR joke. Um, <clears throat> We've been married for 15 years. <laughs> anyway, what wow. were you saying about Clay? Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so the, the lyrics are different, though, on the Clay Aiken one. Um, from now on, um, our troubles will be miles... Or, sorry, yeah, from now on, our troubles will be miles away. Um and then through the years we will all be together if the fates allow hang a shining star upon the highest bough and have yourself a merry little christmas now mm. so she so so the singer that we heard was singing the original sinatra lyrics but i mean it just the contrast of Christmas is supposed to be this time of cheer and of family, and I think that's what makes it so incredibly hard. I, th I, I Don't cite me on this, but I believe that this is the time of year that more suicides happen than any other time of year. Because people feel this, I should be with family and my relationships are broken. I should have friends to be gathering around with and having what what do the kids these days do? Oh, that's Thanksgiving Friendsgiving, you know, or Friendsmas. Mm. You know, they they have these fit friend gatherings in addition to or as a substitute for family gatherings and you know, even the words in the song, faithful friends who are dear to us will be near to us once more. So you think about all this stuff and what people often are th have thrown at them instead is broken relationships and financial troubles that are exacerbated by the need to spend the quote unquote need to spend a lot of money and um, you know just all of the societal expectations that we in the West have for a huge meal and decorations and doing all the things with family and. Um, you know, and and then, you know, I hope this song gives you some hope. Next year at this time, as though you can promise that next year at this time, your troubles will be miles away. That, you know, the friend that you are concerned with about having cancer, are they magically going to be healed? You know, or you or whatever chronic pain you have or whatever broken relationship you have. I just... I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but it just eats at me to think, is that the best in terms of meaningful, quote unquote, meaningful secular Christmas lyrics? We've got Rudolph the Red-Nosed Ranger, which interestingly enough, I read a story about the writing of the story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and it was by a guy who was the victim of bullying. 
And he wrote the story for, I believe, for his kids. But it's kind of autobiographical. And he does this twist where the thing the weakest one was being bullied for becomes the thing that he is most prized for and praised for because it turns out to be a strength rather than a weakness. But he wrote it and he was super broke and uh, ended up obviously making a lot of money for it. But I think he sold the rights to it in the short term. And then whoever had bought the rights to it gave them back to him eventually in the long term. Hmm. But, um, but you know, so, so that actually has some interesting meaning to it, but most of the other, and Laura, our violin teacher, who was a teaching in a public school for a while, teaching music commented that she would try to work in uh, good Christian messages with her Christmas music. So like good King Wenceslas, is a song with a good Christian message, but it's not overtly a Christ the Savior is born. I feel like it would be kind of hard. Like a lot of Christmas, you know, a lot of Christmas songs are written. Uh, I'm cy- I'm cynical enough that I think a lot of them are written purely for the fact that the commercialization. If they can make a hit Christmas song. They'll have royalties year after year after year after year after year. <laughs> yes. So. But at the same time, I also it, think as, it might as be... As we all know from the fact that Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer was written by a radio DJ in Wolf Point, Montana. Montana right. Anyway, um, carry on. It, just, it makes me wonder, though, that... wonder if it's really difficult for... Uh, if to, it's for a non-believer to write a Christmas song. I mean, without without repeating what everybody else sings. Yeah, I mean, so one of the one of the Christmas song inspirations that these Broadway musicians cited was Jamie Cullum, and he apparently he has an album that they just praised up and down called "The Piano Man at Christmas," and they sang a couple of songs off of his album. I'm just opened it on Apple Music and for the life of me I have no idea what they sang it didn't make a big impression on me uh, but here's 10 songs by a pop mega jazz singer uh, that have nothing to do with with Jesus and you know we all know Mariah Carey uh, has gone absolutely <laughs> uh, you know she's super successful you know country musicians although country musicians are often doing christmas music but um i mean people are constantly inventing ways to do it but in terms of christmas comfort you know tidings of comfort and joy comfort and joy oh tidings of comfort and joy i just i, I mean like Every Christmas song that we sing over and over in our home and at church is the absolute opposite of until then we'll have to muddle through somehow. It is the antithesis of that, which I think is why it struck me so much. Mm-hmm. Every you know, joy to the world, the Lord has come. We have a Savior who came to earth in order to fix a problem, a sin problem in our own hearts and of brokenness in the world that could not be fixed without God himself becoming flesh. You know, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. And that's because we've been mourning in lowly exile until the Son of God appeared. And now we rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel has come to thee, O Israel. It just seems like any, any Christmas song you could throw out that we would sing in church addresses the sin problem, addresses the pain and the brokenness and the loneliness and the hopelessness of the human condition. That is the common denominator of the human condition. And I feel like the longer I live, the more acutely aware I am of that being our common denominator. Even if I myself am not suffering from something at the moment, I know someone who is. What it like name that thing, and I probably know somebody suffering from it in the moment. So this is going to sound kind of—I don't know if this is going to sound silly or not—but you know, you're you're, deal, you're talking with somebody about why Christian or 
Christian Christmas songs from a Christian worldview have more of the answers to the hope and everything else than other songs. And for somebody who doesn't know anything about it, mm-hmm. one, it's a good opportunity to share the gospel. But two, doesn't it seem kind of, doesn't it feel a little bit like really complicated to explain to somebody how the song Joy to the World um, actually answers their human condition? Like, <laughs> it's not a succinct answer. Like, you have to back up. And you, for somebody, I think probably a good portion of the world out there now, never heard the gospel anymore you know they've heard bits and pieces and have this you know caricature of it maybe yeah but you just it takes so like there's no it's not a simple uh it's not a simple quick it's not a simple fix it's just it's complicated to get there what was the thing that let me tell you about jesus oh let me tell you about god okay we need to talk about the history of the world so here's the fall of man you know you're like (laughs) all this to get to christmas and why it's so wonderful that Jesus was born. You know, it's like, oh my word. That's true. That's you know, true. Well, what's sin? Okay. All right. Let's, you know. Well, I mean, <clears throat> yes and no, because you meet someone where they're at, right? Like if right. they're genuinely interested to know, like, you know, for example, with, you know, come now, from now on, our troubles will be miles away. Do you, do you really believe that? Or do you feel like that's just wishful thinking? You know. Well, that's what cracked me up when she said, well, I hope this song, I hope this song brings you hope. She hopes. Yeah. And she hopes that it hopes it'll bring you hope. It's like, yeah. you've got no assurance of anything. You're just well, trying to be encouraging right now. Exactly. Like, there's no guarantee here. Yeah. At least with a, with a Christian gospel message, there's a guarantee there that one day you'll probably be dead. <laughs> <laughs> but even that but is even then, right? he's answered those problems at the end of all time. It's yeah. still... It's still not an overtly. I mean, it's hopeful, but it's not like it doesn't necessarily like bring me hope for problems today. It's like, oh, I've got to wait till I'm dead and Jesus comes back again. Okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) But well, I mean, yes, but also as, as our pastor reminds us regularly, your life is so short in light of eternity. And so even if you have to wait until you're dead to have your problems be solved, in light of eternity, you can say this suffering has an end date. This suffering has an expiration date and it will end well after that expiration date. And so you you can live with hope through the suffering. You are, I mean, in a sense, we are still muddling through somehow, right? But it's not muddling through somehow. It's muddling through because we know that we have a compassionate and a powerful Savior who knows our suffering because he came and participated in our suffering and who has redeemed us from our suffering in a way that nobody, nothing and nobody else possibly could. And so, yeah, you're right. If you want to be... uh um, you know, an ultra realist. Yes, there. The end date of your suffering might be when you die. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not even gonna say might. The end <clears throat> point of your suffering here on Earth, because if whatever you know, if the cancer is is put into remission, if the financial woes go away, if the broken relationship is reconciled, whatever is the acute pressure point this Christmas, and maybe it's all the things, something else is going to come along to take its place. It's very, very unlikely that you will die a comfortable death. (laughs) That's kind of the nature of our bodies wasting away outwardly. The older we get, the more our bodies suffer and the more uh, brokenness we we get to be witness to in the world. And so, you know, in a sense, the realist of the Christian worldview says we will keep muddling through until Jesus takes us home. But it's not muddling through somehow. It's muddling through with the help of what is the, uh, is it Psalm 19? God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Um, you know, that's how we muddle through is because we have a refuge and a strength who is a very present help in trouble. Uh, 
The other thing that I thought was kind of funny at that uh, symphony thing is how it was a... It was one of those moments where I thought about trying to point it out to my kids, but they were actually enjoying the music so much I decided not to be a culture warrior right in the moment. <laughs> but but the it was a man and a woman who were dancing together, and their, their singing voices as well as their dancing, I just thought, you know, there can't be a lot of gender bending on Broadway. Regardless of the politics of the singers and the dancers who are probably odds are predominantly quite progressive in their way of thinking about the world. When you actually put two people together to dance in a particular, you know, it is a traditional style of dancing. Uh, you know, they were doing like the bends and the twirls and you have to have a man who is physically stronger and taller than the woman to do the bends and the twirls and the lifts that they were doing and the blending of their voices like two women can sing together in a very lovely way but it is entirely different type of blending of voices than a man's voice and a woman's voice that blend together and sing these duets and they in the way that they were well the good news is they don't have to necessarily bend the genders for physical roles because the woman playing the the lady role can just identify as a man, but still have all the characteristics of being a female, and vice versa. So it really, it's kind of just, you're going back to square one. No, you're not. Yeah. It's the same thing with ice skating. You cannot successfully have couples ice skating but you with could have two people big, who are biologically the you same. You could have a big, bur- that's not my point. My point is, you could have a big burly man out there with a little teeny woman ice skating, and the burly man says, I'm a woman, and they're like, he's a woman. That that they are, they, people <laughs> That's will, my point. I, no, so they get around people that. People anyway. will agree with you on that, and they'll be like, oh, he wants us to call him a man? Okay, we'll call him a man. But the fact of the matter is, genetics don't lie. Genetics don't lie, but nobody... Does anybody... Genetics don't lie, but if a gay man wants to play whatever role on, all that matters is that he ident- he or she identifies as a certain gender. It doesn't matter whether or not the genetics it, are important. It does actually matter. Yeah, but what I'm I know what it I'm matters. Saying, I know what I'm, I'm saying is is whatever they are saying, reality will have its way when they're like, right, and I don't we, disagree with that. We need somebody who can do this thing. On stage, when they have a particular need for somebody who is big and burly, it doesn't matter if this is a big, burly person who has been taking estrogen for the last five years and so happens to have breasts and long hair and makeup. That big, burly person is going to fit a particular role because of that his genetics. And if they need someone who has been taking testosterone for the last five years, but that person needs to be lifted up above big burly person's head for a particular role, they're going to, it's odds are very, very strong that they're going to be seeking out a biological woman. And same thing. I actually, I, I thought about this so hard. I actually did a Google search. <laughs> I thought about this so hard. My brain gave me a headache. I, I get headaches all the time anyway, <clears throat> but not from this. Uh, No, I was very curious if transgender people have trouble singing and people who've been doing the hormones Hmm. and uh, they do, especially as their voice is undergoing transition. So a, a female to male transitioner, testosterone actually uh, thickens the muscles in your vocal cords. And so essentially the reason men's voices are deeper than women's voices is the same reason that the strings on an upright bass make a deeper sound than the strings on a violin. Thicker and fatter. Yeah, exactly. And that's why men's vocal cords resonate more deeply. Yeah, baby. Because testosterone has made those muscles thicker and fatter. And so as women start taking testosterone, it thickens their vocal cords and they go through a season just like a 
boy going through puberty does of the voice cracking and breaking and they there's a whole industry I don't know when I say whole industry I don't know how big this industry is but it is an industry of voice coaches coaching people to still be able to sing with a new a new set of vocal cords and so you can be a successful whatever singer but you're having to completely retrain yourself. And you and kind of have to fully transition too. You can't be like in this mid period, right? Yes. Is there fully transitioning? Like, is there a beginning and end? Well, so, um, <laughs> you, like, I've done it. I am now a man. There are, well, obviously there's not. And <laughs> most, I'm still trying to be a man. Most guys. of most famous there, there's a handful of famous uh, transgender people who were honest, like Scott Nugent, who was featured on What is a Woman, is one of those. Blair White is another one that I can think of, uh, which if you were to Google Blair White, you would not think that Blair White was a biological man. Uh, Blair White looks 100% female. Is that the is that the one that was on the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition? Uh, I don't know, but Blair White would say... I am not a biological woman. I I am a man. I'm biologically a male who has all of the trappings of being female now. Uh, so those people are being honest, but... Not the Blair White who... Um, I don't know. Did I get my lot, name wrong? I'm pretty there's sure There's a lot of Blair Whites. There's a Blair White uh, Blair? American YouTuber. There's a football player. It's the American YouTuber. I'm sure. <clears throat> let, me, let me do a quick... Critical feminism, transgender. Uh, yeah, so Blair White. Oh, whoa, YouTube. she totally looks like a dude. Like a dude or like a woman? It doesn't look like a woman. I mean, she looks like I a think... woman, but she also looks like not a woman. Uh, I don't know. I would not look at that picture and think oh, that's a dude. Yeah, but now that I know it's a dude, it's a dude. Right. Anyway, but but Blair White is is pretty straightforward that I'm not I'm not a biological woman. Uh, but anyway, all that to say, when you say is there such thing as fully transitioning, if you were to ask the activists, they would say yes. But the fact of the matter is, in order to maintain uh, some of the effects of testosterone for a female to male transitioner, or the effects of uh, other hormones for male to female, you are a pharmaceutical customer for life. You have to take weekly shots. Some good money in that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Good money in that. That was actually one of the very first stories of a parent dealing with a child who believed that they were transgender that I ever read it was on a website called Fourth Wave Now. And the fourth wave is referring to waves of feminism. And they're saying, now we need a fourth wave of feminism. And it's, this woman was, I believe the author of this article that I read was a lesbian. She's very progressive, very affirming. And her daughter just out of the blue says, I want to transition, uh, starts wearing chest binders, starts trying to, starts doing social transition. And the mom was like, you are not transgender, but being affirming and progressive had no idea what to do about this. And so went down a pathway of exploring this with her child for a while, but said, please put off medicalization. And I think she actually asked the daughter to put off chest binding too, after finding out that there's some pretty serious rib cage development and other issues that come about from uh from constricting your ability to breathe and your rib cage's ability to grow and move as it's designed to do but this gal said that the light bulb switch for her daughter who said i i'm not going to medically transition was the daughter was diabetic and had to take shots on the regu on a regular basis to keep herself alive insulin shots and the daughter was like this is a life-saving medical intervention uh i would be opting to take medical intervention that is not life-saving for the rest of my life if i were to sign up for a medical transition and it, and so it's it's not permanent because you in order to maintain some of the effects you have to carry on for forever 
And there's also like Scott Nugent is basically has to undergo surgery after surgery because <clears throat> things going wrong with the surgeries that that he slash she has had. Um, but the other thing that is permanent, so for girls who take testosterone and it thickens their vocal cords, it that does not go back. So there's an article or a, I think it's Vimeo. I'll try to dig it up from a girl named Sydney Wright. And we have this in our Canavox syllabus because it's really striking. She she took testosterone for four or five years, starting as a teenager, and her voice is permanently very, very deep. And she says, nobody told me that this was irreversible, hmm. but I permanently have a man's voice because my vocal cords will not go back. And so that part of it is a permanent thing for her. So the very long answer to your short question about, uh, is transition transition complete, but no, I just think that <laughs> as, as parents, it's interesting. And as people just doing observation of our culture, our culture, our world is designed to, in fact, this goes into JR, what were you doing? Oh, you went to choir rehearsal at church yesterday and then you came home and were like, I'm officially on Christmas vacation. I'm going to go downstairs and watch a movie. And it's like 945 and he's like, what yep. are you doing? And I was like, I'm listening to a podcast. <laughs> Molly was really letting her, letting her hair down last <laughs> I night. I actually, it was like super nerdy nerdsville. It was. I, I didn't actually make it very far through the podcast because I fell asleep in the middle of it. So I need to start it over. But it was I will I will send Jr. a link. It's by an author named Abigail. I don't know how to say her last name. It's Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. Favale or Favale. Um, and she's a Catholic, uh, writer and theologian. She currently teaches at Notre Dame, but she, this is actually pretty interesting, JR. She grew up, uh, in, uh, in a church that was super into John Eldridge, like the wild at heart guy. And she was like, as, as a girl who didn't fit stereotypical girl, likes and things like that. She said, I, I just recoiled as a teenager who was being told, okay, men are active and pursuers and girls are passive and just try they to need make to, their They need happy. to come out and dance in dresses in front of their parents. I, in front of their parents? That's what Eldridge said. I hated that book. In front of their parents? No, in front of their husbands. And dresses, like dance and play. You know how girls come down and play dress oh, up. Hey, Dad, look I at me, know. and they twirl and dance. Oh, okay. I I was not. <laughs> I was like, why are girls dancing in front of their parents? What do you? I get it. Like little girls. <laughs> I was like, that is weird. <laughs> Where is your head at right now? I don't know. Christmas vacation, apparently. Yeah, something. Um. No, and and so she she was very much recoiled at the vision of womanhood that was cast for her in a church that was taking its cues on what is a man and what is a woman from John Eldridge. And I would say apologies to people out there who might happen to like John Eldridge, but I don't know if there are any more. There's a, there's maybe, if I don't know. I think he's still active in ministry. I don't know what he's doing. But, um, I, I think I knew what he was going for. I appreciate what he was trying to go for. I think, but I man, I didn't like that book. I don't remember all the specifics of why I don't didn't like it. Well, I just, it just the, the one the, the one way. huge critique that I heard about the book all the time was basically he blamed men's pornography problems on women, on their wives. If you're married and you have a pornography problem, it's because your wife is not fulfilling that need for you. See, I heard that about Mark Driscoll. I yeah, that could be. I mean, people certainly didn't care for Driscoll's style. <clears throat> um, I, so, so her takeaway from growing up in this world was whatever the evangelical church is teaching what a girl, what a woman is, I don't want any part of it. And she got really sucked into feminist theory in college and ended up doing a PhD in gender studies and feminist 
studies and then became a professor teaching feminist theory and uh eventually it, it i've I've read so many articles by and about her in the last two days that they're all sort of blurring together. But she said that she started into this, the frustrating, which she's not a huge fan of Matt Walsh at all. She thinks he's way too snarky. And not, I don't like Matt Walsh and not, either. And not, well, it's specifically in his, in his documentary, What is a Woman? Oh. Because she's I like, he's that. just, um, he doesn't talk to these people in good faith. She feels like he just entraps them, makes them try to look dumb. But he, on the other hand, doesn't have a really compelling good... At the end of the show, if, you have, if you've seen it, you'll know this. If you haven't seen it, this isn't a spoiler because you're probably not going to watch it at this point. At the end of the show, his, his answer for what is a woman comes from his wife who says, an adult female human, which is 100% true. But also doesn't really get to the heart of what does it mean to be a woman? And she started to feel like the feminist answers for it were very circular. So what does it mean to be a woman? Well, a woman, you know, if you feel like a woman, then you're a woman is the answer that Walsh got. And it's also the answer she's getting in the academy. And she's like, that's circular reasoning. Like, you can't just say... I feel like something, therefore, that's what I am, and use that as the definition of it. Shania Twain asked the question. Man, I feel like a woman. Yeah. (laughs) But so so she ends up converting to Catholicism because she feels very strongly that, that the Catholic Church, which I feel like if she had discovered, you know, something akin to reformed theology or even a thinking branch a more how do i say this without offending people just a more thoughtful version of evangelicalism or protestantism she probably Don't then john Eldridge, your company yeah <laughs> she she probably would have you know i mean, i will say this if she had read nancy piercy Fair. she would have found the the good that she that she found in the Catholic Church in a Protestant reading of Scripture. But she found it in the Catholic Church, and what she found was this that will be nothing new to the people who listen to us because it's the dead horse that I'm—not the dead horse, because it's not dead. It's, it's the melody that we're singing all the time here, which is that our bodies and our souls are intricately connected, and that— if something happens to my body, it's happening to me. And if something's going on in my mind, it's happening to me. We're not Gnostics where we separate somehow the mind and the body and we over, we give value to one, but we learn from them. And all of this to, to go into saying she, when she is looking at the question of what is a man or what is a woman, she says, you can't answer those questions in isolation from each other because the creation account says God creates man and then man names all of these and a suitable partner for him was not found. And she does not necessarily, and I also, I agree with this reading more or less that she's not just talking about, God's not just talking about marriage when she's talking about man and woman, that it's not good for man to be alone, but that there's a complementarity in how men and women experience the world and contribute to the world and that both ways of experience of the world are impoverished without the input of the complement to that. And by the way, she actually very much dislikes a Protestant, the Protestant understanding of complementarity uh, in terms of, you know, when we think complementarian, we think John Piper. The Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, which she, fairly or not, kind of associates with John Eldridge. And she more, she doesn't use this language, but in my mind I was picturing like a yin and yang, where there's this, the structure of creation and the structure of how humanity operates means that we are incomplete without the complement of uh the opposite gender. And so, you know, going back to ice skating or to Broadway, 
she would say, yes, this is a visual manifestation of the fact that you can have two men dancing together, you know, and one is just going to be stronger than the other and could could lift the other one over the head and could do the dips and a man could have a falsetto and a woman could take testosterone and have a deeper voice. But it's going to be a a cheap imitation of actually having two two human beings whose entire so she her definition of woman is uh now I have to think I wish I'd written this I wasn't planning to go here so because I haven't finished the podcast I fell asleep in the middle of it but she she defines woman as an adult female human being yes but who's and she says she doesn't like that conservatives are fixated on genitalia um but she says you your entire being is oriented toward the generation of new life and cultivating that new life within and then a man his entire being not just his body but the integral body and soul unity that we are you can't separate one from the other this unity that we are his uh his is this a compliment to the woman like is the creating new life but outside of himself and then uh, doing the things that we've talked about the provide protect and things but there's a di- like the new life that a man contributes to creating is outside of yourself and the new life that a woman generates is within herself and that is her and so like when she starts looking at the trajectory if you will of how we live out our unique individuality she says that it comes from from that basic orientation which I still have to do a lot of thinking about to see if it makes sense in my mind and to internalize it but uh all of that just it's it's hard it's hard she I haven't listened to the podcast, but it would be difficult to make your base your case on even just the generation of life within or without, um, without, you know, divorced from genitalia. So, I mean, you can rail on it, but at the same time, those reproductive components are critical to that work. She's not saying you divorce it from it. But she's saying that, so for example, I read a review that she did of Matt Walsh's What is a Woman? And she's, he's interviewing, I haven't seen the show, so I would probably find this part memorable if I had, but apparently he asks an older man, you're going to, you might have to mark this as explicit. From here, <laughs> she asks an older man, "How do you know?" Or Walsh asks an older man, "How do you know you're a man?" And he says, "Well, because I have a dick." You know, so is that dick. explicit? If you say I have a dick, um, probably. I, yeah, probably. Anyway, I don't think it matters. Okay. Well, anyway, we've had explicit episodes before. That's now we're explicit. <clears throat> uh, but but she's like, that's not. It's not just that. Your that is a physical manifestation of of an entire of an orientation, entire orientation. Yeah. that okay. you can't you can't see a soul right you can't see who you are but who you are is inextricably connected. What was the phrase that Stacy, our pastor, used a couple of months ago in in our Sunday school class when he was talking about? Uh, the how we see humans so there's people who believe that i don't know but stacy says so many good things on on a sunday during sermon i can't keep up well this wasn't a sermon you guys he actually listens to the podcast sometimes sometimes sometimes. so read the show notes which i never even got to the show notes at the beginning of the show but sorry you can do that while i'm looking for his you guys it's too we're almost at the end of the show but we are um if you've made it this far and you didn't know anything about the show notes well now you know Okay, so he he was talking about, we're working through a book by Wayne Grudem about basic Christian beliefs, and it was, what is man? And the classic understanding of what, the classic debate about 
human nature is are we mind my or are we two parts which is body and mind soul spirit you squish all the invisible things together oh there's a brand oh that's right yeah. there's a brand new theory so, about that we're talking so about. Yep. so that would be uh some people some people call it like a bitart bipartite view of human nature which is we are body and mind soul spirit all the all the invisible things squished together and then there's other people who look at us and say we're body and then we're mind and soul or will and soul however you know jesus is love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and so they want to divide separate out the invisible part of us into two so there's like the uh the God-oriented, invisible part that lasts forever, and then there's the thinking, rational part that, you know, so there's three parts, essentially. And I have always tended to the bipartite, saying, you know, there's there's the body, and then there's the all the other invisible stuff. And, but they're super, super intricately connected. So my example for people with this is, is always, have you ever been hangry? What's going on in your body is affecting your will and your emotions yeah. and your sin nature. And just just side just side note, rabbit trail, there's an entire there's almost an entirely new theory called contingent monism um, that is being discussed in relation to body, soul, spirit, mind, will, all that kind of stuff. Which, which actually, and that's where I was going with that is, Ooh. so it's contingent monism and Erickson is the, yeah. is the author that Stacy sent us. I have, to. I have a PDF that, well, shoot, I'll just upload the PDF to the website and I can link it in the show notes. Great. So, and the, the reason I raise that is because I think that is, is, consistent with something that Abigail Favale is saying here and that I believe is more consistent, which is that you are not you without your body and you are not you without all the, the inward stuff. And so the monism is that you're, you're a mind body unity and contingent is the phrase that is used because you, your body will die um, but that is a temper. The separation of your body and the invisible stuff is temporary. Because I mean, yeah, and it, it, from a biblical framework, that has to be temporary because it's not our original created state. God originally created us with a body. That is a key component of who we are and how we're made to live. Yeah. So heaven will not be disembodied spirits, souls yeah. or spirits floating around. Playing. I mean, how would thoughts. we even play a harp without a body? Right? Come on. <laughs> or a ghost body, and then we have to get into can ghosts preach. Come on. <laughs> I can't preach. <laughs> uh, no, so um, so I, I think that's very consistent with where I'm going with what does it mean to be a man? Well, your your entire being, body and invisible inward stuff, however you want to describe that, is oriented in a particular direction and that gets expressed in all sorts of different ways and as a woman you've got your body and your soul are inextricably united and oriented in a particular direction and that direction then gets expressed in all sorts of different ways whether it's uh, you know in the home out of the home being a physical mother or not being a physical mother, all of those things are, you're still living out being a woman because of that fundamental orientation of everything about your being. And even if the Broadway singers are trying to uh, get around that in the name of political correctness, you can't get around how your entire inner and outer self is oriented. You know, I feel I'm kind of bummed that when we first started this podcast, you know, however many years ago that I had to pick a category on iTunes to submit it to. And I think I can change that category now because I think we're labeled under kids and family. I don't feel like we've talked about anything related to kids and family in a long time. Like we touch on it, like what's going on, but we always have something deep and theological 
We should probably just change it to like theology, theology or Christian living or something. Uh, like I that. mean, yes, in a way, but what still, you know, with the Canavox group that I have going, that's predominantly women who <clears throat> listen to this podcast for all of them. When I said, what, what made you want to be interested in this? They're all moms mm. and they're all, let me think. No, there was one gal who was not a mom who didn't, I scheduled it in a way that she couldn't participate because of her schedule. But like, by and large, my drive to, to understand and to articulate, you know, what is a woman? What does it mean to be a woman? Is because I'm raising three daughters in a world that's gone absolutely bananas. Yeah. And they are not drinking from a well that is going to just automatically produce healthy women anymore. Who is that? It was Elise. Uh, you know, and so I feel very, very urgently that I need to be able to clearly and articulately and beautifully convey to the three daughters that I'm raising. And, you know, the same was true for my son. Uh, what it means to live out who who you are that God, as God made you to be. And so even though it's, you know, we weren't necessarily talking about parenting on this podcast, everything that I'm studying is immensely practical because it impacts how I engage with the world every day and how I especially engage with those three girls. It makes us hard to market, though. But that's cool. There's a lot more. There's a lot more about us that makes us hard to market besides just not being a clear and a clear in a category. <laughs> You're not attractive. You're not we electrifying. Have faces for podcasts. You don't, apparently uh, you're too quiet on the podcast. Apparently I'm too so. quiet. I, I've been trying to face the microphone this whole time. And you should have moved it closer to you instead of me. Well, I need it closer to you because you're the primary uh, vocal I'm the one who talks source. So much. Yes, you talk all the time. I guess she rarely talks when we're together. You know. That's How's it going, babe? Fine. No, it's fine. It's because I'm tired. I've been talked out all day. Have you been around Faith recently? She's nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. Just nonstop. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, um, I'll include some of those relevant links in the show notes. So look for uh, linked um, topic lines. Um, the time-stamped show notes, obviously, are where you're going to find that information. Scroll down below. And then uh, you'll also find in there a link to our Telegram group that we mentioned at the beginning of the show. So you can go ahead and check that out. I am also, I fielded a request today from one of our listeners for some inform for some thoughts on Bitcoin. And he asked what kind of, where I stored my cryptocurrency. And I haven't been paying attention to the news, but in the last two months, um, it started really moving up again. So obviously interest is increasing. Um, I'm going to include a link for a referral link for the Ledger hardware wallet. So if you need a place to store your cryptocurrency, um, get a Ledger. Use my referral link. I think we both get $10 in Bitcoin. So $10 in Bitcoin today could end up being, you know, $100 in Bitcoin tomorrow. We just don't know. So um, anyway, uh, I'll include that link in the show notes. A link to Molly's favorite milk frother. I did not see a huge... Oh, I haven't checked yet. I didn't see if there was a big uptick in... Uh, in shopping stuff, um, Amazon referral link stuff for Christmas. But uh, if you guys are on our website, um, www.toobusytoflush.com or the TB, the number 2F.com, TB2F.com, uh, jump over there to our swag shack. We have some brand new uh, uh, items released. We've got some, we've got three, what I call lines of product. We've got make, uh, butter makes everything better. Um, Live in Truth and our regular Too Busy to Flush line. We've got new products in each of those. You also created a shirt for me that says oh, Faithfully right. Finite. Faithfully Finite. So we have that up there as so well. So that is the that is the capstone and of our self-care yes. series. And so those of you that want to know the details, we use a third-party provider to fulfill those orders. So we do not control uh, shipping or the manufacturing process. So... Um, well, we have we have some say over it, obviously, but they do all the printing. So we get samples in here, make sure they look okay. Um, I did buy 
samples of pretty much everything that we just did um, for the kids for Christmas. Not sure one of them is going to get here in time. A couple of them did, but you know, whatever. So we got aprons now, journals. Um, if you guys want like a throw pillow or a cell phone cover, you know, I can put those up too. So just let me know what you want and we can probably make something for you, which would be pretty cool. Um, anyway, please send us a message on Telegram or via our website. Um, let us know what you, what you have to say, what you're thinking. Um, if you have a chance and you're on iTunes, please leave us a review um, and uh, give us a pretty high star rating if you can. I don't want you to be dishonest, but if you have no reason to give us under five stars, then by all means, give us five stars. It really goes a long way to getting us in those algorithms and people hearing about us and finding out uh, who we are and things like that. So I don't think I'm, I th I'm on the fence right now whether I'm actually going to be home at all next week because I plan to put in a bunch of days patrolling up at Red Lodge. So I don't expect we'll have a show next week, but you can definitely plan on hearing from us the first week of January. Sounds good. In the meanwhile, have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be bright. But for reasons. But because Jesus is the reason for the season. Yeah, because Jesus is the light. I was trying to think of something that... <laughs> something that rhymes. <laughs>